Hello, all you amazing arthropods out there. Welcome to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, and I am joined by the magnificent Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Casey. How you doing? Oh, (laughs) you know. I do know. I regretted the question as the words came out of my mouth. Hey, guys, COVID um, is still out there, and it got me. It got me for the first time. I, I outran it for so long, and... Now here we are. So, you know, take those sore throat symptoms seriously and look at your booster. <laughs> but other, I mean, like other, otherwise I am boosted. I'm like, as far yeah. as COVID goes, it feels mostly like a pretty bad cold. I got a little bit of a fever. I sound a little bit gross. So hopefully it's not distracting for you guys. But uh, other than that, like I just am taking it easy. What about yeah. you, Sarah? Rest up you're a trooper. Thanks for being here with us today. I am not sick. I, I'm still a holdout. I'm, I'm so happy for you. Knock on all the wood. I don't I know how it's happening. But I convinced I am- myself I was immune for a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, right. Because my husband had it. Like we lived yeah. in the same house and he had it. And I've been exposed to people who have had it before and like, nope. And so I was like, maybe I'm just one of those people who's like only asymptomatic or immune or something. No, I'm not. Sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sick. I'm just tired. I don't know. My sleep schedule's messed up. My cat does not have the same sleep schedule oh, as bye. I do. Uh, so I'm just, I'm caffeinating up over here. But but otherwise, otherwise, good. Casey, it's freaking the end of October I know it's wild (laughs) Andrew and I just we were just talking about the foliage again because (laughs) we (laughs) because we drove out to Indiana last week and so we got to go through western Pennsylvania which is like it was peak fall it was very beautiful so lovely and a good autun good um I wanted to touch base before we jump into our topic challenge so you like you just said you were out of town any challenge updates that you want to share from the past week I thought about it on my car ride back and then I slept for like 12 hours because I have COVID yeah that's fair I did look a little so we talked last week about the Patagonia news story and some of the ways that that company has even prior to the recent news sort of walked the walk in terms of environment and sustainability and so Casey challenged us to look at our favorite clothing company or where we got our last coat from or our last piece of clothing or whatever the case may be and I don't buy a lot of clothes and I wouldn't say that I necessarily have a favorite brand or anything like that I tried to look up where I got my last coat from which we talked about on the episode but I was very confused when I googled the brand it like nothing seems to exist on it I tried to find the parent company and there just wasn't really any information out there so that was kind of a dead end did you get it originally from Amazon I don't think so okay because I feel like that happens to a lot of Amazon yeah Amazon things are weird I this I where it's like some sort of foreign company bought yeah. out by another foreign company, but you're like, this is the same thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's I, I mean, I don't have problems. It's zero exposure is the brand name of my coat, which I've heard, okay. you know, it's, yeah. but, uh, but I just I couldn't figure out, I guess it probably has a parent brand or something, but anyway, that got me nowhere. I also looked at where I do buy a lot of my clothes from now. I'm actually a little bit obsessed with it is thread up 
which I think yes. we've mentioned before. It's like yeah. an online secondhand clothing store, which is great for me who doesn't like leaving the house. So I can just buy clothes online, right? And that is a more environmentally friendly way to get your clothes anyway. You get things uh, secondhand, reuse them when you can. But interestingly, that does seem to be really like they are big on promoting that as good for the planet. But I don't know that they do a whole lot else within the company in terms of all of those things like we talked about with Patagonia and all of the things that you can find on their website and uh, the the different aspects that they look into. I'm thinking about things just in terms of like shipping and packaging and that sort of thing from from ThreadUp. So I think there's room for improvement there, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then I did look, oh, I, f- I looked at one of the like athletic brands of clothes that I wear too, and was actually kind of pleasantly surprised by what I saw on their website. So I do think that hopefully that means it's just becoming more and more common for companies to at least be putting out there their sustainability goals and that sort of thing, which was nice. That is good. That's good to know. That's good to hear. Um, fun fact, I'm pretty sure my mom got her mother of the bride's dress from ThreadUp. Mm-hmm. So back to our sustainable wedding episode. I got my dress from ThreadUp that I wore to your wedding. Look at that. Yeah. A whole ThreadUp gang coming to the all wedding. Yeah, Your so, mom's dress was gorgeous. It, she looked too. great. Oh my yeah. gosh. She looked amazing. So, um, so yeah, lots of good options. Secondhand, we talked about in our sustainable fashion episode is like already a really good step. But like you said, they have a lot of opportunities to, to be transparent with their supply chain of like, you know, how it gets from one place to another. How are they laundering these things? How are they preventing microplastics? Like there are, there are options out there. So already a good start, but yeah, it's always good to identify what those next steps could be. So this week we're switching gears again. Like I said, it is the end of October already when this episode comes out. This will be uh, a couple of days before Halloween. So I was thinking about animals associated with Halloween and that kind of spooky season. October is typically considered uh, bat month, but we've already done an episode on bats. So Casey, what are some other animals that you associate with this time of year? What are some other Halloween or spooky season animals? What do you think of? Uh, black cats, which mm-hmm. like aren't wildlife necessarily, but very associated with witches. Spiders for sure, bats for sure. Um, you know, those are like mostly after that, it really gets paranormal for me. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They start to get into Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like bats is number one. And then like, maybe owls. Yeah, sure. But, like, um, I think owls, and we did an episode on them yes. too, are more positively um, framed than like spooky like crows that would be one okay yeah crows is a good one Mm -hmm. yeah i think black cats is a big one too i thought about that for some people maybe snakes this time of year and so spiders is what we're going to talk about today Mm -hmm. interestingly spiders would not have been one for me like i don't really think about them associated with this time of year but i think there is some like you think about using spiders in witches potions or things like that. Well, there's the big like spider web and decorations. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I feel like my brother has or used to have a big spider and spider web decoration that he would put up in front of his house. Although then, if you start getting into that, you could go 
crazy because do you ever see those uh usually it's in animal related groups where they post the like anatomically incorrect halloween decorations with like with (laughs) the skeletons yes yeah skeletons of animals that don't have skeletons and things like that that they post so uh you could go down a rabbit hole with those decorations but yeah i do feel like kind of the big ones bats we've already done an episode on we've actually already done an episode on cats not specifically black cats but we've done cats we've done owls so we're gonna go with spiders tonight which is an animal that i actually love very much uh, but is kind of associated with spooky season so we're gonna dive in a little bit to spiders and kind of why people might be creeped out by them and hopefully why they shouldn't be so stick around for that discussion All right, welcome everybody to a discussion on the wonderful, in my opinion, spider. Uh, We're going to start off just real quick by an overview of what spiders are. I will also say, I feel like I say this all the time, but there are going to be more episodes on spiders. Every time I sit down to do an episode on an animal, I'm like, this is going to be so easy and fun to just write about this animal. And then I sit down to do it and I'm like, there is so much there's so much to talk about. Spiders are incredible. They're super cool. And I feel like we're not even really going to talk about a lot of the adaptations and unique things that spiders can do tonight because I did really try to just focus in a little bit on the things that might be creepy about them and talk about those. So there will be more about spiders and how cool they are but to start off on that kind of base level what are we talking about with spiders in some ways they're similar to insects so they are arthropods as Casey introduced us uh, again to or reintroduced us to that term in our intro today Uh, and part of what that means is that they don't have any bones like we do they don't have any internal bones so they have that rigid outer structure called an exoskeleton They have paired jointed appendages, but unlike insects where they have three pairs, six legs, our spiders are going to have eight legs. So they're going to have simple eyes instead of like insects have those big compound eyes. If you think about like a close-up picture of a fly. We're both making like giant hand motions over our eyes with like like, multifaceted eyeballs. Yeah. Like people can see us, can't see us. Yes, those eyes that take up most of their head and they have almost like those, all those different sort of lenses, if you will, in them. Spiders don't have that. They have simple eyes. And where our insects have those three body portions, Spiders only have two body segments. I always learned these as the cephalothorax and the abdomen as being the two body parts. But uh, they can also be called the prosoma and the epistosoma, in part because when we think of cephalothorax, that's like head and chest sort of combined. And then abdomen obviously would be more the back end. And those names don't really correlate with what spiders have in those parts which is kind of interesting um so the cephalothorax does have things like the eyes and the mouth parts but that's also where all of the legs attach and then the abdomen 
uh, actually has things like the lungs and the heart uh, and the digestive tract in it. So, uh, and, and reproductive organs and that sort of thing. So uh, you do still see cephalothorax and abdomen a lot, but you might also hear uh, those other terms. So that's what a spider is on a very base level. Casey, what are, what are your feelings about spiders? I've already said that I actually really like spiders a lot. How do you feel about them? And do you have any, like, what are your first memories or associations that you have with spiders? Big question. Okay. Number one, I feel it would be remiss if I did not talk about how my alma mater is the University of Richmond. Oh, that's right. Home to the Richmond spiders. Yeah. Our mascot is Webster. And oh um, someone described him as looking like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Spider. And <laughs> I love him very much. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm, I'm Googling yes, him right now. Please Google Webster. He has UR at the end of his name instead of ER because we are UR. Uh, anyway, I I like spiders. Um, I have a coworker who had a lot of pet spiders. <laughs> I helped her rehouse some of her tarantulas, which was like intimidating. But oh, so cool. It was, it was cool. It was a little like... Uh, teenage Mutant Ninja Spider. <laughs> Is accurate. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but that's 100% accurate. Um, I like little spiders. Little spiders, especially little jumping spiders. You can, the best. Like, they're just so the cute best. and petite and I love them so much. Um, when you get bigger than that, I still cognitively positive feelings about them. But like at a certain size... <laughs> Like they seem, I'm nervous about breaking them. They're okay. big enough to seem to have feelings and like a lot more, I don't know. They're like, we're starting to play on the same level versus like, go be doing your little thing. You can't affect me little jumping spider. It's like, you're much larger. How big are we talking? Are you talking like tarantula sized is where you start to, or like wolf spider um, I genuinely wish I was better with spider identification. I would say once you get to, into the like the two inch range, I start to be like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, just mostly in the like again, I feel like I'll break them. Right, it's less of like, you're afraid of them and more. Just I'm afraid there's... of interacting yeah. with them. I feel okay. like if I move them, like I'll hurt them. I don't know. Um, but I, you asked my earliest memory, and my earliest memory was like some sort of garden or orb weaver spider that was like yellow and I was like four and it was a good like two to three inches big and that one really freaked me out because okay. as like a four-year-old that felt like a, a six to eight inch spider <laughs> <laughs> that felt like the size of my face um so that one but but you know as I've gotten older, I definitely appreciate spiders as like genuinely positive forces within our ecosystem. Yes, definitely see spiders as positive forces. I don't remember ever being afraid of spiders. Maybe I was when I was a kid. I don't, I also don't really remember my first interactions with real spiders. My first memory of spiders is Charlotte's Web. Like Cute. that was my the first book that I remember loving and I loved Charlotte and I genuinely credit that with part of the reason that I feel positively about spiders. I really do think that those early sort of positive impressions can make a big difference. And I saw Charlotte the spider as just this benevolent being you know and that was that was kind of my introduction she was caring and kind and wouldn't 
hurt anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's that's really the first thing I remember. And then I I do also remember reading probably a very watered down version of the uh, Greek myth uh, with Arachne and Athena. Mm -hmm. You remember that one? Yeah. It, it was in like a reader for school. And so it was probably a very shortened, abridged version of the story. But I also remember really liking that and being kind of fascinated with that as a sort of origin uh, story for spiders. So I think those sort of cultural influences sort of shaped uh, my feelings on spiders. And there are a lot of different cultural views on spiders around the world. Some parts of the world, some stories kind of paint them more as a villainous creature and sort of the trickster persona, whereas in other cultures, they're more revered too. So I think that that is actually a really important thing to to think about as we sort of examine our feelings about spiders. So that said, we talk a little bit about some of the things that make you uncomfortable about spiders, which I think are probably different than what makes <laughs> most of the general po uh, population uh, a little uncertain about spiders. So what would you imagine if you had to guess, why do you think spiders are associated with spooky season? Why do you think people get kind of creeped out by them? Um, I think they're probably associated with a spooky season similar to snakes in that they are both venomous animals to a certain extent, at least like some yeah. of them are venomous. Um, and so I think there's a danger element. I remember when I got stung by um, a caterpillar in college, we weren't sure what it was. And my roommate who had grown up in Mexico and the Philippines and a bunch of different mm. tropical places was like, if it is a spider bite, like you, your flesh could go necrotic. And she was very like intense about it. I'm like, we're in Virginia. It's not that big a deal. So I'm sure that's a danger element. I also think about a workshop I took on empathy where they talked about some factors where humans struggle to have empathy for animals it has to do with like body plan and not being able to read intention, not being able to relate like what body parts are what. So like, I think having eight legs probably feels overwhelming <laughs> for people um, and a little creepy. Like we don't have eight legs. It's a little different. I agree 100%. Those are kind of the things that we're going to focus on tonight. So I, yeah, I do think there is some, depending on where you're from, there might be some folklore kind of input. But also, I think that some of it can stem from this feeling or belief that they are actually dangerous and we should be afraid of them and that they can cause harm to us, can and will and it could potentially cause great harm to us. And then, yeah, I think appearance is a big part of it, too. And that, that's what articles that I was reading seem to suggest as well, that when people were surveyed about their feelings on spiders, appearance was definitely part of it excessive legginess <laughs> it was termed as which is fantastic and even though I have not like that does not bother me at all with spiders we all know I have this cockroach phobia and that's definitely part of it obviously they don't have as many legs but still just the, all of those legs and for me with cockroaches it's the movement as well I feel like cockroaches are so erratic in their movements and sudden and it's just like 
you look one way and then you look back the other way and all of a sudden it's there and you're like, where the freaking heck did you come from and how did you get there? Like you weren't there two seconds ago. And people have that sort of same idea, I guess, about spiders. I personally feel like every time I come across a spider, it's literally sitting still and not moving at all. So I don't have that same anxiety about spiders, but I think that that is part of it for people too. It's the, it's the big old legs and they feel that their movement is kind of like erratic and unpredictable. And as you were saying, they just can't quite make sense of it or don't relate to it very well. So those are kinds of kind of things that we're going to talk about a little bit. And honestly, if you are somebody who's just creeped out by the way spiders look, there might only be so much that you can do about it. That's the way that spiders look, but hopefully understanding a little bit more about why they look that way, even if you can't fully overcome it, it can maybe make you a little more understanding, a little bit better able to to relate to them anyway. So let's talk about why spiders are so leggy. Casey, again, this is one of those things that I've just sort of never questioned. Spiders have eight legs. That's what we learn. That's the thing that makes a spider a spider. Have you ever thought about why a spider might have eight legs or what those benefits might be? I mean, they're predators. I think that's maybe also a part that we haven't really explicitly said so far is that they hunt mm-hmm. insects in cartoons. I think about like them wrapping up a fly or whatever, and the fly's like, don't eat me. <laughs> so they're like also made sort of the villains in that way. But like, I think of them using their little leggies to help them catch prey, like along with their mouth. And then they got to sit in their webs. And that's the only thing I ever have ever thought, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really kind of interesting. And again, uh, as I was reading about this, it sounds like those are the assumptions is that they have these eight legs to help them potentially build a web, right? If they're going to construct a web to catch their prey, they need all of those legs to help them as they're like clambering around and constructing the web, which is, again, something we're not even really going to talk about today, but is completely fascinating. We'll save that for another episode, spiders and and web building. But also, I will just say that not all spiders make webs to catch their food. There are spiders, jumping spiders we've already mentioned being one of them, huntsman spiders uh, being another one, that chase down their prey. And so that might be another reason that they have all of those legs is to help them run down their prey but interestingly some of these these studies are showing that spiders can be missing a leg or two and not be impacted by it at all so they actually like caught spiders they found that a significant percentage of spiders that they caught in the wild were missing a leg or two uh, and that they in these enclosed containers where they watched them had no trouble building a web unless they got down to five legs once they were down to five legs they started having trouble so there is some thought that spiders might have eight legs because that's more legs than they need for insurance purposes (laughs) exactly they really are just excessively leggy because while they are predators they are also prey for a heck of a lot of things and that's you know, something to keep in mind too, even though 
people might be creeped out by these animals. It sounds like the stupid cliche thing that parents will say to you to make you less afraid that, oh, it's more afraid of you than you are of it. But that's probably really true. <laughs> that spider can tell that we are a lot bigger than them. And there is no benefit whatsoever to a spider ever going after a person. A spider is not going to challenge you. They're going to, to want to get away. So there are a lot of things that might go after a spider. And so losing a leg is probably a pretty realistic threat for them. So having eight legs might give them a leg or two of insurance to ensure that they can still do what they need to do to survive, uh, even if they lose a leg. Those legs are pretty fascinating too. Another thing that I don't really think about much is how these animals move around not having a skeleton. Uh, They do have muscles, I guess, still in those legs that attach to the exoskeleton. But I guess those muscles help flex more than they do extend. So there are, I believe, seven segments in a spider's leg and so some of those joints not all of them will have those flexion muscles but really to or or extension muscles but so really to extend they also use the fluid in their body so they do have a heart but they have an open circulatory system where basically just this fluid called hemolymph is moving around their body and so what they'll actually do to help extend those legs as they are moving is push fluid out of their bodies and into their legs to help those legs extend and then when they relax the fluid goes back in and so they basically move by hydraulics i mean cool also gross but also i think Right. Well, I think if you describe any actual mechanism of how anyone's body works. Right. If you really think about it. It's kind of grody. (laughs) I think it's so cool. Like, I I think I just don't like like... the word fluid. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of fluid squishing around to me. You're like, I I just, I don't like it because it's hard for me to envision. And I'm like, how, how do they? Is that an automatic process? Is that like breathing for them? How does it coordinate? Which legs are moving? So it's just one of those things that makes me want to to read more about it. But it is an interesting thing to think about because you, if you look really look at a spider and those tiny little legs that they have, you know, there's not a whole lot of space for musculature or anything like that. So to really think about how they move is kind of interesting. And then another reason that spiders might look so leggy to people is in addition to those eight legs, they do have a couple of other appendages that look very leg-like. Yes. <laughs> uh, Casey, Casey. Oh, I really wish people could see us. Someday maybe we'll do this uh, on video. But yes, Casey's waggling her fingers in front of her mouth. So they do have actually a couple of things. Uh, the main one, the ones that really look like legs are uh, what are called pedipalps. And those are little jointed appendages up near their mouth parts. Um, so they can use these pedipalps to help hold on to prey. Males will use these pedi- their pedipalps to help transfer sperm to the female. And they're also little receptors. So they're sort of, sort of in that way, an- analogous to like an insect having antenna. Spiders don't have antenna, but they do have these pedipalps. And in addition to those other uses, um, they do have receptors that help with that kind of taste slash smell. 
sensation, which they do have receptors on their legs uh, for that as well. You could also talk about, I wasn't really going to do it, but they do also have their actual uh, little mouth parts called chelicerae. Uh, but you can see those little moving mouth parts up in front. Uh, and those are like the chelicerae. I don't know if this is the most accurate way to say it, but they kind of house the fangs a little bit. Okay. So they have the fangs kind of on the ends of those chelicerae that are kind of tucked under, if that makes sense. Uh, I will also, well, actually, no, we'll we'll save that for the, for the next part. We'll talk more about those fangs in a minute. Uh, the other appearance thing that I want to mention in addition to the legs that people might be creeped out about spiders is their eyes maybe less known uh, but spiders will typically not always but typically have eight eyes as well so you're saying um, they're simple eyes, but there's lots. Of them. They're simple eyes, but there's lots of them. But this is another thing, and I still don't know the answer to this question. I was trying to to read up on it a little bit. I have no idea why. I have no idea why they have eight eyes, because for the most part, at least those spiders that use webs to catch their food, they don't see very well. So they have eight eyes that don't give them great vision. Uh, a lot of times they might just be able to differentiate between sort of light and dark. Um, and they're really going to get most of their sense of like feeling things, vibrations and that sort of thing is going to be most important for those spiders. Spiders that do have good vision are those spiders that actually hunt their food. So jumping spiders um, are thought to have good vision. Um, for example, and I did find a little bit more uh, about those. I'll share uh, a link to a video that I was watching in our uh, show notes. Man, jumping spiders are just so darn cute. Uh, and they have a big pair of eyes right in front of their head and they're called telescope. Well, they're, they're telescope eyes. So they're more tube shaped. And there's a shot in this video where they show how they can actually move those telescope eyes. And you can see it like inside the spider. You can see those eyes moving. It's the coolest thing. Um, and so those telescope eyes do help them with things like depth perception, which they were saying in this video, jumping spiders can actually uh, get depth perception with just one eye which for me, as somebody that has messed up eyes and pretty much only looks out of one eye at once and has compromised depth perception because of it, I was like, dang, that's the coolest thing. Way to go, jumping spiders. Um, and then they have the smaller eyes on the sides, jumping spiders, that help them detect motion. So that's okay. why they can be like, oh, something's moving over there uh, and, and turn really quickly. So it can be hard to sneak up on them. So I found a little bit more about the purpose of the eyes for those spiders that rely on vision. It's very interesting to me that other spiders have eight eyes that don't seem to have <laughs> very good vision. Yeah, it's an interesting thing too with um, thinking about it in the grander context of the animal kingdom, how predators have these forward-facing depth mm -hmm. perception -y eyes and then prey animals typically have these eyes that face side out to the side so that they can have a wider scope of vision but less depth perception yeah and this jumping spider's like i am actually both so. yeah right that's that's what it feels like and again maybe that's a gross oversimplification by right. me but that's that was kind of the 
general purpose for for those sets of eyes i thought that was really cool so yeah. again the, the link to that video jumping spiders be, jump man spiders are the best all right so that's that's the appearance factor so lots of legs because they're probably gonna lose one <laughs> think then- about how lucky you are as a human to have four <laughs> legs that you can mostly count on keeping four limbs <laughs> or limbs not four yeah legs. yeah you use them how you use them. <laughs> True. I mean, if you're if you're crawling, there you yeah. go. All right. So let's move on to kind of the next big thing that people might freak out about in terms of spiders. People might be afraid to get bit by a spider. They might just be afraid of the bite in general, whether it's going to hurt or whatever the case may be. They might also be afraid that that bite is going to make them sick or even kill them. Um so understand, like that is, that's not a great thing, but some things to know about this. This is from the Burke Museum. And they say of around 50,000 known spider species, only about 25 have venom capable of causing illness in humans. Huh. That is about uh, 120th of one percent so 0. 0.0005 25 huh. out of fifty thousand species uh it's not that many to memorize either <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh and th- yeah and they go on to say in any given locality you can expect to find anywhere from zero to at most three we call these medically significant spiders, spiders that have venom, venom that okay. would be capable of impacting humans. At most, you might be in a place where there could be three species around. Do you know where that's at? Uh, I, I don't know. My I mean, gut maybe instinct Australia. is like Australia, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, we so depending on where you live in the United States... I've certainly lived in places where I know that there's at least two of them, which are the ones that we're about to talk about. But I think, and again, I understand that quoting a statistic at people isn't going to take away the fear, nor should it, which we're, hopefully it will help with the fear. Obviously, the the risk is not zero. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm not saying that if you are to get bit by a medically significant spider that you shouldn't seek appropriate attention, but... That in and of itself, just the straight number of species, I feel like that's a pretty encouraging number. And then as we're going to talk about, just because a spider is considered to have medically significant venom does not mean that it is going to be medically significant for you if you were to get bitten. So before we get into some of the specifics of the ones that you might find here in the United States... I do also just want to put out a general disclaimer about this. If you are somebody who does feel a little bit freaked out about the venom that spiders have, because I will tell you what, doing the research for this, it's a little bit disheartening, the things that you find on the internet and the just negative hype around this, the general inaccurate statements the the words that people use just to purposefully sensationalize things is really frustrating. So 
just don't believe everything you read on the internet. I know that that seems very basic, but you can find things about this from sources that feel like they should be reputable. But if you look at what they're actually saying, it's so sensationalized. So Casey, I have a couple of articles here. The first one is from Britannica.com, right? So you're thinking Britannica, you're thinking encyclopedia, right? And my brain would think, ah, this is, you know, hopefully fairly accurate if, you know, simplified kind of basic overview. Uh, but if you look at the actual article, there's a, a, in italics up top, it's basically saying, this is just an article that somebody wrote and submitted and isn't really, doesn't necessarily contain accurate information that would be found in the encyclopedia. So they're basically saying right up top, this all might not really be accurate. Uh, and then this article is called Nine of the World's Deadliest Spiders. And it starts off with one of the ones we're going to talk about. But I was scrolling through and I got to number six, which is the wolf spider. And it's just, it's completely, there's nothing deadly about wolf spiders. And if you read the actual paragraph, it says that. <laughs> And yet they still have it included at number six on an article titled Nine of the World's Deadliest Spiders. So just really be thoughtful. Yeah, cure, like really, you got to look at things. Like you said, Britannica, you think would be the encyclopedia, but it is really a kind of a crowdsourced mm -hmm. um, site where it's almost like Wikipedia. Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't find good information right. on it. Like I use Wikipedia all the time to help me like simplify things in my brain. Same, yeah. But you just have to sort of cross-reference it with other things. Look at what the sources are. And then, and also look at what this is actually saying. I have no idea why this person wrote this article like this or why anybody thought that it would be a good thing to publish because it just doesn't. It's not at all what the title says that it is. And then the the link that I have included right below this on our outline, Casey, is a newspaper article citing this article in oh, no. their newspaper. So this is how misinformation oh, no. can get spread uh, in one way or another. So don't that's just all that to say, don't believe everything that you read on the Internet when it comes to this type of thing. People love to sensationalize things and uh, get clicks on their articles or whatever. Um, so just recognize that you might come across some things. You might come across some things that seem like they're from a good source uh, that are not necessarily going to be true. There's just a lot of uh, conflicting information out there. Let's get into the facts, Sarah. <laughs> well, let's talk about a couple of the... Uh, probably most well-known medically significant spiders here in the United States. Casey, do, do you know what those, we're going to talk about two of them. Can you guess which ones? Yes, I would guess that Black Widow, the, uh, you know, superhero yep. and serial killer name <laughs> um, would be one. And then the Brown Recluse. Yes. Both yeah. of which lived in the building where Andrew worked at our last job. Like, they would find them behind stuff all the time. Yeah. And he's fine. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and yeah, that, that's what we'll talk about as well. Those are those are probably the, the two big ones. So have, have you seen both of them then? 
I've definitely seen a Black Widow. Um, when I was a kid, we got a shipment of metal statuary from Mexico in with like local Mexican artists and it got shipped up to our garden center and inside a couple of things were some webs with some Black Widows in them. So I've definitely yeah. seen those. Um, and I mean, it definitely like makes you pause. You definitely don't want to stick your hand in there. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's just a good rule of thumb with any wildlife that yeah. you're talking about. And I, so this is what I was going to say earlier. So in, in talking about spiders and their danger risk, I think you mentioned this uh, earlier that most spiders have venom. It's almost all spiders. I think there's one family of spiders that doesn't have venom glands. Every other spider has venom. They have venom to help them to do their pre- subdue their prey. That's really what it's for. It's not to hurt us. Tiny, <laughs> tiny fly. Right, exactly. And digest things. Yes, it helps them to to subdue things. They do, yeah, they're going to secrete enzymes in it that start to break down uh, their prey so they can eat it more easily. So with any spider... Don't poke it. Don't squeeze it. Don't, you know, <laughs> whatever. Even if it's not going to make you sick with its venom, there's no reason to, uh, you're basically threatening that spider at that point. And that spider's venom is valuable and it takes energy for them to produce that venom. And I don't want to make that poor little spider waste its venom on me that it's not going to do anything to me. And uh, so just, yeah, leave a spider alone. Uh, don't don't mess with one if if you see one. Um, or even from a purely selfish perspective, just because the venom's not going to make you sick, it might not feel good if they bite you. So right. just leave them, leave Charlotte alone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I have also seen a Black Widow. Um, I believe that it was in my garage, I think. Like I have this sort of vague memory of seeing it. They're very distinctive, right? Mm-hmm. So these uh, kind of, sh- at least this is, it's the female, it's the adult female uh, Black Widow spiders that are the ones uh, that that we think of when we think of the species. So they have this kind of big round, shiny looking black bodies with that uh, kind of reddish orange uh, yeah, hourglass kind of yeah. shape on uh, the underside of their abdomen. So they're, they're pretty distinctive, uh, easy to identify coloration. They're typically described as non-aggressive, right? So we now have this perhaps mental image, right? We have Black Widow, the the Marvel character. We have this, they're literally called Black Widow. Uh, we think of them as, oh, these spiders are you know, the females are killing their mates. That actually is more of the exception than the rule when it's it comes a pray to- mantis to, situation. <laughs> to, yeah. Uh, with uh, Black Widows, um, there are different species of Black Widow spiders. And with some of them, it hasn't been observed at all in the wild of females killing the males. So again, just a lot of negative hype for these poor little spiders. Um Typically, what they want to do is just hang out on their web. Again, they don't see very well. They're going to make their web. They're going to sit there and wait for their food to come to them. Okay, but we like the worst case scenario situations there. So what happens if you do get bit? So they are a medically significant species. Their venom is neurotoxic, but very rarely fatal. A lot of times 
it's it's possible that nothing is going to happen. You're not going to have any serious damage as a result of uh, a bite. Uh, so there was, again, it's hard to find uh, like actual data on this sometimes, uh, but looking at some case studies, uh, there was uh, a case series involving 23,409 exposures to Black Widow venom, uh, and they found that 65% of the patients only presented with minor clinical effects. About 33.5% had moderate effects, so their symptoms maybe lasted a little bit uh, a, a little bit longer, and they had to get some sort of treatment. And only 1.4% of those cases did they have major uh, what could be more considered life-threatening effects. Um, so just know that as well, that in the majority of cases, they are not life-threatening effects. The most common symptoms of coming into contact with uh, black widow venom were skin irritation. <laughs> so uh, almost 59% of people had skin irritation, itching, pain, swelling. Uh, so those those were kind of the biggest things. The actual like worst case scenario, abdominal pain, vomiting, uh, difficulty breathing, maybe muscle weakness or stiffness or tremors, like really starting to get into those more neurotoxic effects would be the biggest, more right. serious concern with black widow venom. But it's not probably what most people think where I've gotten bit by a black widow, like that's it. It's over. Right. Like rush me to the hospital. That's not what the data shows. Honestly, this reminds me a little bit of when I got bit or stung by the caterpillar. Like mm -hmm. you, people are much more afraid of spiders than they are of caterpillars. Like, I don't know a lot of people who are afraid of caterpillars, but I got done dirty by a caterpillar before I've never been that, that in pain from a spider. And that's was like intense burning sensation in my hand and um, traveling down the arm. Right. And so, um, and that was from a puss caterpillar, if I haven't told that story before. So like the reality of Black Widow's, the like, number one sighted like scary spider in the u.s versus the post caterpillar that fell out of a stinking tree onto my yeah. head like it, it neither sound fun but like also for the most part it looks like seek medical attention but it's not like you're gonna die yeah and and that's i mean you could like there you have could. been a, a few cases uh although it's it's very hard, and we're going to talk about this more with the next spider, but it can sometimes be hard to definitively determine the actual cause uh, sometimes, if that makes sense. But, like, yes, if you see the spider, if you know you've gotten bit um, by a spider, seek medical attention, but the odds are in your favor. <laughs> let's let's put it that way. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I also... Got perhaps the same type of caterpillar. I think we have talked about this before. I was trimming tree branches and I reached up to grab the, the branch and I felt a sting. And then later, yeah, I just had the kind of pain and swelling like running all up my arm. And I didn't, I didn't see the. I also bug. didn't see mine. Yeah. But I, when I Googled like caterpillars falling out of trees, a series of articles, cause they go through like this boom and bust yeah. population situation. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's the same challenge for, because when I went to the emergency room, they were like, 
insect bite. Like that was just their broad right. thing and they gave me steroids for it. Um, so like I sought medical attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I'm sure that's a challenge for spider bites too, is you just don't know what got you. Yeah. So let's talk about that with the next one, which is the brown recluse. And I want to play a little identification game with you, Casey. Listeners, I'm sorry. I know this is no fun for you, but I'm showing Casey four pictures right now. Casey, anywhere from zero to all four of these could be brown (laughs) recluse spiders. So which one, if any, or which ones would you identify as a brown recluse? Um, Yeah, genuinely, I don't know what a brown recluse really looks like. But I think I'm going to go with not the top left, but maybe the other three. That's a really good yes. Um, so it's not the top left. That is a species of wolf spider. It's um, a cutie patootie. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It's also not the bottom right. That, okay. That was my yeah, question mark. That is a southern house spider. The other two are brown recluse. These are also called fiddleback spiders sometimes because that's the identifying mark that you are looking for but it is definitely not as distinctive as that hourglass marking on our black widows but you can kind of see so it's on the cephalothorax so the the front segment of the spider i'm moving my mouse around like you can see it Casey. (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh there is that little dark shape in the middle that looks kind of violin shaped um the one in the bottom left picture that i'm showing you is from the university of kentucky's entomology site which i meant to say this when i was talking about being careful about what you read on the internet i don't have a good like website recommendation for spider information, spiders and insects, it can just be really tough to find good, accurate information. The best places that I have found, however, that seem to be the, the most accurate from what I can tell are university entomology departments or extension websites. Sometimes extension websites even can be a little iffy um, and museum websites, I feel like have pretty good solid data information when it comes to to spiders so i did use um the university of kentucky entomology and then um upenn had a good uh website as well that i pulled a lot of information from um so anyway that bottom left picture that is a, a entomology department like photo specifically taken to show you that fiddleback marking you still you don't feel confident about that? I don't think I mean I was a fiddle player and I do not let go. That's absolutely really? a violin. And um and I would say if you have to get cl- that close to see right. if it's a fiddle back, then maybe you're getting too close already. Also, no offense, brown recluse, but in the spider beauty contests, you guys are not oh, winning any. No, sad. no, don't say oh sad. These are not very cute spiders. <laughs> I disagree. I oh man. Ah, no, you zoom into their face, they look like ticks. I'm sorry, I'm not, nope, not on the brown recluse board. I, I like them. Um, But what I wanted to point out here with these, these photos is, I do think that that fiddle is pretty clear in that bottom left, but if you look at that top right, a brown recluse in the wild, if you will, yeah, like I could barely see that, and it looks very, very similar to the house spider in 
the the other corner there. And I uh, have previously brought out house spiders in little containers to show people and talk to to people about them. And the number of people that would come up and be like, oh, that's a brown recluse. Like that's just, people see brown spider and they think that it is a brown recluse. The same thing happens with snakes all the time. People see yeah. a snake and they just want to assume that it's a copperhead or a cottonmouth or whatever. Um, people see a brown spider and it just automatically becomes a, a, a brown recluse. Uh, and remember, there's 50,000 <laughs> species of spider out there. I can't identify most of them. Uh, and so there's no reason that just because the brown recluse is the one spider that you know of that any brown spider you see is going to be a brown recluse that's just not the case their name is literally recluse they don't want to mess with they're reclusive (laughs) they don't want to be seen uh they they want to try to hide and get away but all that to say as well that brown recluse get blamed for things that are not necessarily the brown recluses doing um in part because they are very tough to identify and like we talked about with the black widow their venom is neurotoxic casey are you familiar with what the potential impacts of a uh, brown recluse bite is it's gonna be like a gross tissue thing or pain right yes yeah so the 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 black widow is our neurotoxic the brown recluse it it can cause necrotizing wounds can cause necrotizing yeah but you put pictures in here yeah i know i'm sorry but that is to show you that uh oh dang i didn't it didn't put the the caption on there but i i'm showing poor casey two images of a small necrotic wound this is nothing like somebody's limb falling off or there is no scale provided (laughs) but it, it is small uh but one of these is from a confirmed brown recluse bite the other is from, I believe it's a staph infection. Yeah, uh, like a MRSA. Uh, just, yeah, uh, a bacterial infection, not from a spider bite. You can't Those, tell the you, you cannot tell. As a layperson. As anybody. Like, oh, okay. Pretty much, uh, at even at, or at least as just a doctor looking at these wounds, you, there's basically going to be no identifying feature that you could confirm either one of these to be a brown recluse bite this is the stuff that my roommate was showing me when i was like i'm fine and she's like no we should go to the emergency room yeah sure and but okay so brown recluse bites can be misdiagnosed as anything from poison ivy to chemical burns to diabetic ulcers to those staph infections to probably a whole host uh, of other yeah. things as well. Uh, th- again, this a lot of this is coming from that UPenn website that I'll link to in the notes. Approximately 90% of brown recluse bites result in no reaction or a small, uh, about five millimeter, five millimeter red papule that heals on its own. Again, not saying that you shouldn't go seek medical attention if you know you've been bit, but it is not, you're not necessarily going to need any treatment. Approximately 10% of bites result in dermonecrotic lesions. These lesions develop over the course of two weeks during which the skin surrounding the bite turns black, dries out, eventually sloughs off. These 
bites might take a while to heal. They might take two to this, this says four months to fully heal. Uh, less than 1% of bites result in symptomatic uh, symptoms that can include hemolytic anemia and acute kidney injury. So again, that would be no fun if you fall in that 1% of folks who have those symptoms, that would be no fun. So do seek treatment, but again, the odds are in your favor. I think also like something we're sort of talking about here is that anaphylactic allergic reaction that people can have or like, you know, children versus the elderly versus mm-hmm. like a, a able-bodied person. That's something they talked about with, I mean, snake bites. It could mm-hmm. be like very mild, but you could be allergic to them. That's true for like Madagascar giant hognose snakes. Yep. Um, loris bites going in anaphylactic shock yeah. that can be like your biggest issue, not the actual effects of the venom itself. Um, puss caterpillars are another one. These uh, anti venom can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know how your individual body yes. will react. It's that- not so much the actual impact of the venom in a lot of cases it's how your individual body reacts to that stimuli yes people do react very individually to things and you'll hear that a lot just in terms of general spider bites that their venom is equivalent to a bee sting well for some people bee stings are deadly you know yeah and so that really is an an important thing to mention and to keep in mind that individuals can react what we're talking about are are just kind of the overall statistics um and yes that these can oftentimes be more serious for the very young, the very old, or people that are otherwise compromised. But none of that is an absolute. Uh, But I think it is just good to know and to put out there that a bite by either one of these spiders or any of the medically significant spiders is not an automatic worst case scenario. And that's not even the most likely thing to happen in the unlikely event that you're bitten at all it is an unlikely event that you are going to suffer the worst reaction. But the worst reactions are possible, so it's good to um, still seek attention. And just to speak again to the rarity of this happening, uh, this also from the UPenn website, there was a study done in which more than 2,000 brown recluse spiders were collected over a six-month period from a a home, uh, from a residence. Ah, <laughs> 2000. I mean, that's a pretty good infestation, yeah. right? 2000 spiders collected over six months. The uh, the residents hadn't been bitten in the six years that they lived there. Right. And in, like I said, Andrew worked in a building yeah. that had populations of both black widows and brown recluse. Him or any of his coworkers had never shown any symptoms of being bit and having yeah. a bad reaction from these guys. Yeah. So hopefully that gives you just a little more understanding of some of the hype that comes around these spiders that's really the goal here i'm not trying to minimize the potential serious impacts that they can have but just be a little more realistic about it um and hopefully help minimize the the fear that people have around uh, those particular species i do also want to just mention real quick before we wrap up uh my dog's wanting to chime in over here but a, a couple of other myths around spiders in general that people might have heard that might freak them out that just aren't true. So the first one is regarding tarantulas. Tarantulas are spiders. It's it's one of those things where all tarantulas are spiders, not all spiders are tarantula type of, of scenarios, kind of. But some people might have heard that tarantulas are deadly to humans. 
And in fact, it is the exact opposite. There are no medically significant tarantula species. There's never been a human death from a tarantula bite. Their venom would be one that, again, is considered very mild. And that makes sense if you think about, again, like we were talking about why spiders have the venom in the first place. Tarantulas are bigger, man. They don't need as potent of a venom to help them subdue their prey. Again, this is not to say that their venom could not cause stronger reactions in people if you're allergic or that sort of thing, uh, but they do not have medically significant venom. So, yes, they do tend to be larger in size, although there are lots of species of tarantula that vary in size, but we think of tarantulas as being bigger, fuzzier looking. They might freak people out a little bit in appearance, but you do not have to worry about the venom of tarantulas. This next one is definitely one that I heard as a kid. Casey, are you familiar with this one? Daddy long legs have the deadliest venom, but their fangs are too small to pierce human skin. Have you heard that one before? I heard it. So like as a child, I had, that's actually probably my closest. They're not spiders, but they're like, I always thought they were spiders. Um, and they were freaking everywhere on the playground. It was very upsetting. I didn't hear about this this myth until I was older and out of the stage where I was interacting with them because otherwise I don't think that I would have been on the playground as much. <laughs> okay, yeah. There. I mean, there's a lot to kind of cl- clear up in this one, actually, yeah. because, yes, the what I always thought of as Daddy Long Legs when I was a kid and the ones I saw, the ones I interacted with are the ones, again, I have a picture for you here, Casey. Yeah. That is not a spider. What we called daddy long legs, not a spider. And you can tell that that creature right there only has one body segment. So that's a dead giveaway right there. Doesn't so make a big difference when the boys are picking them up by their legs and like dangling them in front <laughs> well, of Well, I'm you. not saying that. I'm just saying we can tell that it's <laughs> yes. not a spider because of the fact that it only has one body segment. They don't, they also don't have uh, as many eyes. Uh, they also don't have venom or fangs. So that myth is not true there. However, there are also actual spiders that, depending on what part of the world you're in, are also referred to as daddy long legs. So you might, or daddy long leg spiders. Sometimes they're, they're fully referred to that way. Cellar spiders is what I know them as um but they are called daddy long leg spiders uh they also don't i mean we nobody's ever done any tests on their venom so if it is the most powerful venom of any spider we don't know about that and there's never been any incident of a human being being adversely affected by a cellar spider bite so again that's just a completely made up myth that somebody put out there and somehow it gained traction and gets passed around and I've genuinely interacted with many people in my life that very firmly believe this to be true and it is just categorically false so don't believe everything you read Uh, and then the last one is my favorite just because again it's like who somebody just said this once in their life and then it got circulated as fact have you heard this one Casey People swallow an average of eight spiders per year in their sleep. Yeah, what an upsetting thing for someone to come up with. It's it just, who? 
How? How? Why? Why do these things get put out there? Why would a spider crawl into your mouth? Yeah. Also, like, how are all, as everyone's sleeping with their mouth open, is no one waking up when a spider starts crawling right. across their face? Because, like, that doesn't happen to me. So, yep. so I'm guessing fiction. Like, Oh, it's totally, fiction. yeah. There's just, uh, and I, I, I linked to an article where they, they talked to people who study spiders about this and that's basically what they said is there's just there's no reason people would wake up there's no absolutely zero evidence to back any of this up spiders can sense vibrations they can sense movement they could probably feel your heart beating if they you know they would feel your breath if they would you know it's just no spider is going to go walking into your mouth in the middle of the night Oh, can you just imagine, like, a sp- like the spider would literally like have to practically crawl down your throat? I feel like for like not you noticing to swallow it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it doesn't happen, folks. Spiders, uh, just have some really, really, really bad PR out there, and they're super cool animals. So we'll do more episodes where I get to go more into actually talking about how cool spiders are, but hopefully. If nothing else, this helped you realize there's a lot of bad information out there. Don't believe it all. Spiders are not as scary as the world would have you believe. Anything else, Casey, before we wrap up? No, let's dive on into the challenge. Let's do it. All right. Stick around, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with your challenge for the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like we said, the overall theme of the episode tonight is that spiders have really bad PR. So your overall challenge for the week is just don't feed into that negative PR machine. Uh, You know, before you share some article about the nine deadliest spiders in the world or, uh, you know, some crazy story about a spider bite take a good hard look at it see what evidence is actually there is this actually a reputable thing what is this actually saying don't feed into the hype uh that people try to put out there about spiders the other thing i would say to do is know what medically significant spiders are in your area we didn't really talk about that but There are a whole lot of reports of brown recluse bites in areas where brown recluse do not live. And they still will get recorded as brown recluse bites. The odds are as close to zero as they could possibly get that those are actually coming from brown recluse if you live outside of their native range. That's not to say that they don't occasionally wind up hitchhiking in someone's suitcase or a box or whatever the case may be. But the odds of you getting bit by a brown recluse outside of their range is just is is almost nil. And yet those get reported all the time. So uh, don't feed into that either. Know what spiders you might actually encounter in your area. And obviously, we just talked about the United States tonight. Wherever you live in the world, just take a look and know 
if you're in the range of any medically significant spiders or not. And then last but not least, again, I don't want to discredit anyone who has had adverse impacts from a spider bite or anything else. Always be responsible. If you do get bit, do seek medical attention. A really good thing to do if you can too, if you see that spider, get a picture of it because that's really the only way, especially in cases like those brown recluse where they can be confused with so many other things. That's really the only way to uh, to know for sure. Uh, sometimes if you can snap a picture of it or whatever safely, and then you can do that too. But do be responsible. Don't take this as a, oh, Sarah told me the odds are so small, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, hopefully know that for your own peace of mind, uh, but do be responsible about seeking medical attention when you need to. Hopefully nobody will have to do that as part of their challenge this week, uh, but just a, a disclaimer to put out there for you. Yeah, and share some pictures of your spiders with us. You got somebody who lives in your house, you got a name for him, yeah. I want to meet him. Oh, I did forget to say that in the beginning. I guess that was my other experience as an adult with uh spiders do you remember this casey this is when we were working together i did have a wolf spider yeah that was living on my back screen door and one of the things that wolf spiders will do is carry their babies on their back and uh, hello mama wolf spider that was there with all her little babies on her back and it was the sweetest thing uh and i shared lots of photos of her so yeah if you have a fun spider share a picture, help help those of us who might be a little creeped out by the way they look, uh, maybe start to slowly get some exposure therapy and uh, learn to appreciate them a little more. And if you want to send us pictures or comments or anything else, you can find us all over the place. We're on Facebook. You can just search for A Little Greener Podcast. We're on Instagram at A Little Greener Pod. We're on Twitter at A Greener Podcast. And we're on YouTube. If you would like to uh, use captions, uh, you can find us there. You can also email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, do it. Say hi. Thanks, Casey, for joining us. Thank Hope you. you feel for better hosting. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> Please do. Uh, but seriously, it's always good to talk to you and um, rest up, feel better. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.